Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we just humble ourselves before you, and we confess, God, that we need you. No matter what we're walking through in life, whether it's, whether it's difficult or whether we're not feeling much opposition, Lord, whether we're in a season of victory or maybe we feel like we're in a season of defeat, regardless of what place of life we're in, we need you. In the ups and the downs, we need you. And we proclaim that over all of our lives, over all of our church, that we walk through this not just together as a community, but we walk through this knowing that, Lord, you are our pastor and we follow you. You are the great shepherd. And so today as we open your word, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. We ask that you would convict us, encourage us, strengthen us. Everything that your word does, it's a lamp unto our feet and it's a light into our path. And we ask, Lord, that you would shine light on where we're going and how we get there. We thank you that your word has the answers that the world is looking for, and it also has the answers that we're looking for. And so we look to your word today with great expectation, knowing that you're gonna do something in our hearts, you're gonna do something in our homes, and you're gonna do something in our world. So we put our hearts before you, and we ask for the grace to walk out your word as we hear it together today. In Jesus' mighty name. And all over the place, God's people said, amen, amen. I remember when I was about 18, 19 years old, and uh, I was going through a season of time where I just got out of high school recently, and you know what happens as you've gone through this before in your life. Maybe some of you are, are young right now, and you're just getting out of high school, or you, or you just did, and you get that question, like, Everybody asks you, what are you going to do with your life? Where are you going to go to college? What career path are you going to take? And if you were like me at all, you really didn't know. And so sometimes you have to make stuff up, but it's a lot of pressure during that season because that question comes and comes, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? And I remember when I was going through that phase of my life, I didn't know, and I was making a lot of incredibly poor choices. I didn't know Jesus at this time. And I found myself in all kinds of conversations with people who were suggesting this and saying that. I started inviting the advice and the counsel of other people. And I wasn't really good at that at that stage of my life. I didn't invite people to speak into my life, but I didn't know what to do or where I was going. So I figured, hey, I probably should get some advice of others. And so I start talking with individuals. I remember I talked to this one guy. He was a web developer. Him and I were somewhat friends. And during that time, the tech industry was booming. It was like Microsoft was booming. Everything was, was, was really taking off. And web development and graphics, that was like the thing. Everybody wanted to get into that. Almost every college or community college had a two-year program that you could get into. And it was almost like a guaranteed job right out of that program because they really needed so many web developers and graphic designers and all of that. I'm talking to this guy. He's got his own business he makes great money, he works his own hours, and he's talking to me about all this stuff and sharing with me what his life is like. And I'm just like any young person, maybe not every young person, but mostly, I wanted to find a job where I could work the least amount of hours and make the most amount of money. Now, come on, let's be honest about that. That's what I was thinking, that was my mindset. 
And that's what I felt like I was hearing from him. And so he encouraged me to become a part of this program at Shoreline Community College. And so I actually did. When I was almost 19 years old, right around there, I jumped into that program. And I went through the first semester, and, and I did fine. And the second semester actually is that time in my life where I came to Jesus Christ, surrendered my heart to him fully. And some of you have heard my story. It was a pretty dramatic conversion And I remember in the second semester of this program, I'm now sitting in this classroom at Shoreline Community College, and everybody around me is sort of the the Bill Gates wannabes, or I want to be an intern to Bill Gates, and they're sort of on the edge of their seat, and everybody's excited, not just about this program, but the job that they're going to have as a result of it. And now I'm saved, now I'm born again, and, and I'm questioning why I'm even there. Like, why am I in this classroom? Is this even what I want to do with my life? Because my whole life had shifted. Everything had changed. God's now speaking to me. And for the first time in my entire life, I'm actually asking God what he thinks about my life. Lord, how can I live in such a way where you're, ple- you're well pleased with, with what I'm doing and, and how I'm stewarding my time? It was the first time in ni- at 19 years old where I ever even cared to ask God that question. Prior to that, I, I never did. And it made me question deeply what I was doing, what I was involved in. And so I bailed on school because I, I just realized I don't want to do this and I shouldn't even be here. And so I quit school and that actually set me up on the path and the trajectory that I'm, that I'm now on today. That was about 21 years ago. And so you're welcome for that. Amen. If you know, if get an amen there. All right. Anyways, <laughs> but getting out of that program was a great decision for me and it made me realize something and it illustrates a very important point that I want to make today is that when we invite God's voice into our life, we end up on the path that God has for us. See, what was interesting about my life before I came to Jesus was I started inviting other people's voice. I had the voice of greed. I had the voice of comfort and convenience. I I wanted to make the most amount of money and work the least amount of time. I was sitting with someone who would encourage me down this path, and that was maybe what he was thinking as well. And so I was listening to other types of voices, but I was not inviting God's voice. I wasn't pursuing God's voice in my life. And as a result of not pursuing God's voice, I ended up on a path that God did not have for me. And when I realized that, when I woke up from that, I started to invite God's voice into my life. I pursued his voice. And here's the thing. When we listen to other voices, we end up on a different path. But the people of God, those that follow Jesus, you and I, we need to be a people that are marked by a pursuit of God's voice above all other voices in our lives. Pursuing God's voice means that we consistently ask God for counsel and direction and for wisdom for our lives. And we, when we read the, the book of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, there's an interesting thing. It talks about the kings of Israel and also the tribe of Judah, the, the two kingdoms that we have of Israel there. And we see that when it references these various kings, Israel, for example, all of the kings of Israel were wicked. And the summation of their life, when it talks about these kings individually, it says this in the summation of their kingdom. It says they, what they, were, they did wicked in the eyes of the Lord. Think about that. In the eyes of the Lord, they were wicked. Not one king that led Israel was different in, in their, the summation of their life or that testimony about how they lived their life as a king. But now you look at the tribe of Judah and they had many kings as well. 
Most of them were also, quote unquote, wicked in the eyes of the Lord, but a few of them were righteous or they did right in the eyes of the Lord. But there's one king above all of them that stands out, and that's King David. And there's this interesting passage in 1 Samuel chapter 13, I believe it is, where it it references this, and you might have said this before, maybe you've heard it many, many times, I know that I have, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. Now, sometimes when we say that, we think that David resembled God or he was, he was like God. Well, we know that's not necessarily true because David had egregious sin in his life. He did not fully resemble God. In fact, there, is no perf- there are no perfect people, and we know that from Scripture, actually. And so when it says that David was a man after God's own heart, I actually believe what that might mean is that David was a man who was pursuing after God's own heart. David was a man who was following after God's own heart. He wasn't just like God's heart. He was pursuing God's heart. Why do we know that? Because eight times in the Old Testament, it says about David that he inquired of the Lord. He asked of God. As a king and as a man, there were moments in his life, despite the sins that he committed, where he came to God and he fasted and he prayed and he said, God, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want this kingdom to do? How do you want me to lead your people? And this is an interesting thing because you do not see this in a lot of other kings of Israel or kings of Judah. This was something that they did not do. They did not pursue the voice of God in their position or as a person, but David did. Eight times it says that. That's a lot to be referencing that in the scriptures. And so we know David was a man who was after God's heart. He pursued the heart of God, and we want to be the same. And we know that maybe we aren't perfect people, but does God, can God find that to be true of us? Can God find people, while he can't find perfect people, can he find people that pursue him and ask what he wants to do in the life that we live, in the world that we live in? This is what we desire to be. But there are some things that I think we need to know. If we're going to be a people that are marked with a pursuit of God's voice, there are many things that we need to understand. And one of those is that we must be dependent upon God. To pursue the voice of God in our life, we must be convinced that we actually need his voice. And this speaks of dependence, doesn't it? Now, dependence is the state or condition of needing or relying on someone to aid, support, and sustain us. And this is absolutely the kind of disposition that we want to have as Christians. Our dependence upon God fuels our pursuit of his voice because we only care about what God has to say if we know we need what he has to say. Now, if you're parents, you don't have to be a parent to understand this, but if you're a parent, you deal with this quite regularly. It's amazing how when you're, when you're young, that when your parents are talking to you, uh, you realize that a lot of times they're not really listening. Now, if you're a young person and you're with your family right now, I'm sorry, not sorry, but I'm just going to say it, that sometimes when young people are listening to their parents, they're doing it because they feel like they have to, it's obligatory, or they're tolerating what mom and dad are saying in order to get to the conclusion that they want. Listen, it happens. Let's just go ahead and own it right now. We've done it as sons and daughters. And uh, if you are a son and daughter right now, you do it. But wait till you be a parent. (laughs) Ha ha, it's going to come back to you. Not funny. Anyways, it is coming though. It's coming very soon. 
But we realize that this is the case. You know, kids don't always listen. They don't always extract all the information that they need, and they find that out later in life. You know, when you move out of the house, and you got to pay your own bills, and you got to walk your own walk, and you realize all of a sudden you might be ill-equipped for life, and you make that very humbling phone call. You know, ring, ring, ring. And I just had one of my, one of my sons, actually, unnamed sons, called me this week because he had an issue with something that was going on at his house. And he calls, and he is inviting my voice into his life because he needs to know how to do something. And now he's not just tolerating my voice. He's not just acting like he's listening. He's inviting my voice into his life because he needs what I have to say in order to fix something or go about what he's doing in life. And this is something that we understand in the world that we live in. We don't care about what somebody has to say until we really need what they have to say. And I'm speaking of dependence. Of course, that doesn't always apply. But Jesus modeled a life of dependence upon the Father, and he is, this is the example to you and I for how we can live life. In fact, 13 times in the Gospels, it references that Jesus went off to the mountain or to a desolate place, a place where he could be alone with the Father, And that's a model, that's an example to us because he would go and and when he was alone, he would ask of the Father, he would speak to the Father. There are moments in scripture that invite us into what that is like. You know, the Garden of Gethsemane where he just says, if you could take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. We, We see this interaction, this dialogue, and it reveals the way that you and I are supposed to be, have this disposition toward the Father, this intimacy, this dependence upon him. Right before Jesus stepped into his ministry, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and he has this interesting confrontation with the devil in Matthew chapter 4. During this time, he says something very important for the conversation that we're having today. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, Jesus couldn't be clearer in this moment by saying that the way we live is actually dependent on what God says. This quote comes from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're actually going to look at that in just a moment, but where Moses is giving this exhortation to the children of Israel before they go into the promised land, he's telling them, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our life does not come from what we see and what we think we can trust by what our eyes see. Our life comes from what God says. When we're in church and we talk about we need to trust in the promises of God, what we are saying is the God who created the heavens and the earth by his word, that same God is the one who gives you and I promises and we can trust that what he says is true even when other things do not look like what his promise says. God is the one that brings about life because his words are truth. We can trust in all this stuff and you know this because we're walking through it right now. All of a sudden, the things that we trusted in, the things that we relied upon, they're taken from us. And we realize that all we really have is God. Lord, what are you saying? And we have to be dependent upon what God says. 
Difficult moments bring that to the forefront and we realize it's not just about what we see in the physical, it's what we know is true from a supernatural God that we follow. And aren't you thankful today that we can rely upon God and even in moments of crisis and difficulty, we can look up and know that our help comes from God? This is the reality that we get to live in as followers of Jesus. I wonder how I would even be if I didn't know him. What would this time be like? What kind of fear and panic? And we've talked about in the midst of this crisis or the, thing, the pandemic that we're struggling with right now. If I didn't know Jesus, I don't know what I would think. I would be extremely worried, full of anxiety. Even as Christians, we get tempted with that. We have doubts, we have fears, we have anxiety. Those things still come to us, but we know what we can do with them. We can lay those things down at the feet of Jesus, can't we? And we can trust that his word is true, even if we can't see it right now. We hold on to it. His word is an anchor. We need what God says because we are dependent upon God. For us to pursue his voice, we have to realize how dependent we actually are. We need him. We need to know what he says because we live on every word that proceeds, that comes forth out of the mouth of God. All people before Jesus came, they all bowed to the voice of the enemy. We see that in scripture. But Jesus, in this moment, he rebukes the enemy's voice and he reveals that key, that man, that you and I do not live on what is natural but we must be dependent on God's voice alone. This leads me to my second point. For us to be people that pursue God's voice, we must trust God in every circumstance. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, which was the reference that Jesus was quoting, we see that Moses was giving his final instructions to the generation that was raised up in the wilderness. We know that Israel was delivered by God's mighty hand out of slavery in Egypt And they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, the Bible actually says that that generation died off and their children were raised up in their place. And so Moses is giving this final dissertation, this exhortation, as they go into the promised land. He wanted to remind them what the wilderness was actually all about. Do not forget why you were in the wilderness for 40 years. Don't forget what God was doing. Don't forget what you learned. And he says says a lot of things to them about the 40 years and what God was about, what God was doing. But we want to read what Jesus had quoted in Matthew chapter 4, and we read that in Deuteronomy 8, verse 1 through 3, and here's what it says. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your forefathers, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Now, God knew what was in our hearts, but he wanted to show us what was in our hearts, didn't he? He goes on to say, whether you would keep his commandments or not, he humbled you and he let you be hungry and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand all of this in the wilderness was for this purpose, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. As Israel is on their way to the promised land, the Bible actually says it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's flowing with blessing. Instead of pursuing the voice of God when they come into a problem or a difficulty, or maybe something that doesn't look like milk and honey or blessing, 
What did they do in times like that? Do they trust God in every circumstance? Do they pursue the voice of God in the midst of that trial and difficulty? Actually, in the beginning, they don't do that at all. They do the exact opposite. We get to read about their life, and hopefully, we learn from their life so that we can pursue God's voice when we come into trials and difficulties. We see the first one in Exodus 14, right after God had delivered them. I mean, they're just freshly delivered. And Pharaoh realizes, I just let go my, all, of my, all of my slave labor. And so he gets all of his army together and they begin to pursue Israel to bring them back into captivity and slavery. And the Israelites see that Pharaoh is pursuing them right now and they're standing before the Red Sea and they start complaining to Moses. And they say, did you bring us out here to die? Did we not say that we would rather stay in Egypt because we had food and we had water and we had all of that, but you brought us out here to die. They begin to complain, they begin to grumble, and they begin to indict the Lord, not just accuse Moses. By accusing Moses, they're indicting the character of the Lord. What we see from that story in Exodus 14 is that their preference was comfort and convenience because that was more important than their freedom. It reveals that slavery to man was more appealing or easier than service to or relationship with God. It's like saying, give me a system that I can trust so that I don't have to tr rely upon my relationship with the Lord, that I don't have to seek him in difficult times. I would rather trust the system where I know when I work, I know when I eat, I know what I can trust, I know what's going to happen. See, it's, it's actually a false notion, isn't it? This idea that in this world, the world that God created, that somehow we can just rely upon some system that tells us that we're safe and that we're secure. The minute that thing is pulled out from under us, we realize we actually need God. And can I tell you today, we need God. We need God in this moment and every other difficulty that we're going to face as a church and as a nation and as a world. We need the Lord. One of the greatest blessings that the time we're in can provide for us I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying that God made it happen, but I'll tell you this, in every, circumstances, every circumstance that we face like this, we realize that there is an underlying blessing. The silver lining is that we remember that we can trust in and rely upon God and not just the systems of this world, that when everything else fails, what we really have and what we always had was we have God and his promises in our life, and they didn't know that in the beginning of their walking with the Lord in their initial freedom. We also see when the Israelites were three days in the wilderness and they had no water and they cry out to Moses, they grumble again, what are we gonna drink? Are we gonna die? You let us here to die? And they do that. And then also we see in Exodus 16, they had no food. And so they, they grumble and they complain to Moses, here you are, you let us here to die. We've got no food. At least we had food in Egypt. Yeah, it was slavery, but I'd rather know and trust that I have food to eat. And God comes up with this amazing plan in Exodus chapter 16. We read about the manna. God says to Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell the people that after they go asleep, they're gonna wake up and there's gonna be this bread-like substance that's gonna fall every night. And it's like coriander seed. And they're gonna collect enough for them and for their household just for one day. Don't collect any more because if they do, it's gonna rot. But also pr to prepare for the Sabbath day, you can collect two days worth. And so that's what they do. He, he implements this system where God provides for them every day. It's sort of like what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, give us today 
our daily bread. Maybe that comes from Exodus 16, where God wanted to show them that you can trust me every single day. Not just that you're going to have an abundance or a surplus that you can trust in, but actually, if you just needed to pray and seek me every day, I'm going to take care of you. I'll make sure that you always have enough. The question is not, will God take care of us? The question is, when we come into that situation, are we looking up saying, God, what's the plan? Where's the manna? What is your manna strategy? I don't know if Israel really understood why God implemented that plan, but I think personally, he did it to break them from their past and help them to fully trust and rely upon him, knowing that no matter what situation that they were in, they could always look up and say, God, what's your plan? God, how are you gonna provide for us? God, what do you want us to do? And this is what it takes for us to be people that pursue the voice of God in our life. We've got to realize we depend upon him, we're dependent upon him, and that we can trust him in every circumstance. And it gives us an opportunity. God is not the source of our problems. God is the source of our solutions. Come on, can I get an amen? I know somebody's got to say amen. Just look at your son, look at your daughter, look at your mom, look at your dad. Hey, look at your cat or dog. I know some of you have pets and just say Amen, in Jesus' name. I'm being silly with you. We still gotta have a little bit of fun. The problems or difficulties that we face in life, what if they were actually invitations from God, or at least he used them that way to pursue his voice because we know that we trust and rely upon him. The problems are inevitable. The difficulties are always forthcoming, but these are invitations if we'll see them that way, knowing that God will actually do many great things, and we'll see the deliverance of the Lord. We'll see the provision of the Lord. Let me ask you this question. Whatever you're going through right now, are you asking God what he wants to do? Are you asking God what he is saying, what he wants you to focus on right now? If you're not, do that, and do that daily. Do that regularly. Just start today. If you feel like fear and panic or this stuff has begun to grip your heart, I'm not denying that that, has, that that comes to us, but what I'm saying is, is that you and I who follow Jesus and we know that God speaks to us, we can take our fear and panic, and listen to me, we can take our fear and our panic and not knowing what's going on, our confusion, and we can lay it at the feet of Jesus. And let me encourage you to do this. Leave it at the feet of Jesus and look up and ask God what he is saying right now in your life. That's what we need to do. Lay it and leave it. We've got to be good at doing that. I was reading John chapter 10, and this is where Jesus actually says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's where we get that verse from in John chapter 10. But Jesus speaks of his people using a metaphor that we are sheep. Now, it's an interesting metaphor because he could have used any type of animal to describe us, but he chooses sheep. And I started thinking about what sheep are like versus, let's say, an ox or a horse or a mule. An ox, a horse, and a mule, those are all burden-bearing animals. They can carry packs, and that society, that's what they were used for. But sheep were not burden-bearing animals. They did not carry loads. That is not their job. And Jesus uses this. Sheep are followers. They need a shepherd. They move together. They're not meant to be isolated because it's dangerous for them but they're not meant to carry burdens. And can I tell you today, you're not meant to carry burdens. 
That's what fear and anxiety and all of that does to our lives. It's where we try to take on what we are not meant to carry. We are sheep, and sheep need to give the burdens to the shepherd, and the shepherd has a way of carrying those burdens for us. He knows that we simply can't. That's what I believe 1 Peter chapter 5 says to us. It talks about giving him all of our worries, all of our anxieties, for he cares for us. We just give him our cares. We give him our worries. We give him our burdens. We lay them and we leave them. We can trust God in every circumstance as we pursue his voice, knowing that life comes from what he says. Every word proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, the question now is how do we intentionally pursue the voice of God in our life. And you've heard me talk about many of the answers that I'm going to give, but I just simply want to remind us of not sort of the secret, but actually the clear principles of how we, how we actually pursue the voice of God. And the first way that we pursue God's voice in our life is through the Bible. And I've, I've tried to push this Bible reading plan as much as I, as I can. If you have a Bible reading plan, stick to it. But let me convince you, if you do not read the Bible, study the Bible, meditate upon the Bible every day, I want to encourage you, do that. Break apathy, stop saying tomorrow, let's just focus on God's word. It's not my word, it's God's word. And we need God's word in our life. In fact, the more of God's word that we put into our heart, right, the more that we do that, the more he answers for us the questions that we don't even know we have. You're gonna, you and I are going to have questions because we haven't experienced all that life will bring to us. But there are moments when we come into those places of life that are new territory. The Word of God already gives us a disposition in those moments that we haven't yet come to. Isn't that an amazing thing that, that our, our spirit is like a reservoir and as we study God's Word, our reservoir is full and that water gets dispensed in dry times and dry seasons. Maybe we didn't need it today or tomorrow for a situation, but we realize that we're full of God's word and it dispenses into those moments and those circumstances that we come into later when new territory is all of a sudden upon us. I also want to encourage you not only to read the Bible every day, but I want to encourage you to meditate upon God's word. And the scripture says this in Joshua, I think it's chapter one, but also Psalms chapter one, that we meditate upon his word day and night. Those that meditate upon the word day and night, those are the ones that are like a tree that is fruitful in every season, that we're bearing fruit in every season because of God's word, not our conventional wisdom or our good opinions, but God's word, we're full of God's word and it flows out of us. How do you meditate upon God's word? The word meditate means to ponder or consider deeply. One of the ways, or really the way that I primarily do that, is I actually journal. I push journaling to as many people as I can because I think it's a good way to get my thoughts out so that I can see them, that I can think more deeply about them. And it actually makes it more concise and more clear. And I hope it makes me a better communicator because I'm seeing what I'm thinking and I can cut out the stuff that isn't actually good thinking. And I, I want to I encourage you to read and study God's word every day, but also journal. You say, well, Ben, I'm not good at that. Neither was I. Neither was I. I just made a decision that I'm going to do this. And now I have a vision for it. In fact, the journals that I have right now, I've bought some nice journals that have a hardback lining so I can actually pass down all of my writings to my kids or to my grandkids or whoever 
in my family. I, I simply have a vision to write out what God puts in my heart and to give that away. It's why I'm using nice journals now instead of the 25-cent journals I used to get from Staples. None wrong with that. If that's where you're starting, that's good. But I made a decision to upgrade so that I could pass on my writings. Another way that we pursue God's voice in our life is through prayer and fasting. When we come to prayer, we obviously want to listen before we make requests. All right, and so this is really important that listening prayer is where we come to God and we listen to what he has to say and we are still and knowing that he is God. A lot of times we're not hearing from the Lord because we're not asking of the Lord. Remember David eight times in the scripture, many times in his life, he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. So important that when we come to prayer, we're asking of God and we're requesting of God. When we do that, we're gonna hear the voice of the Lord. What I love about fasting is not the part where you don't eat, okay? That part, I, I like to eat. Everybody does. We, okay, that's just, we have taste buds for a reason. But here's the thing. Fasting is like focusing. When we deny ourselves, what we find is the clutter all of a sudden gets pushed to the side and we laser focus on the Lord. We laser focus on his word. We laser focus on his voice. I don't just want to fast once a year. This is why we do prayer and fasting, 40 days. I don't just want it to be 40 days once a year. I actually would encourage you at minimum to fast one day a month, if not one day a week. Some seasons I do one day and I just don't eat until the evening and I spend more time in prayer. I think this is supposed to be a regular spiritual discipline, not just when we get into a jam. I want us to be proactive in pursuing the voice of God, not just reactive when circumstances fall upon us. There's nothing wrong with doing that if that's where we're at, but we want to learn a proactive way of prayer and fasting because that's how we seek the voice of the Lord and pursue his voice in our life. Number three, how we pursue God's voice is we do through worship. If you are not a worshiper, now we worship God through many ways. One of the ways we do that is through singing, is we do that through proclaiming, giving thanks. There are over 900 and something verses in the Bible about singing to God in worship. It's very significant. Part of it is just proclamation, right? The fruit of our lips, Hebrews chapter 13 says this. We offer to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. When we sing unto the Lord, we testify. We speak of his goodness, of his character over all things in our life. When we do that, he releases something over us. It's amazing. And I believe that as we worship the Lord, I, I think we hear more clearly. I can tell you this, when, I, when we worship during our time, even today, even, even that we're online, but also when we're on site and we're in our services, as we worship, I seek to hear the voice of God during worship because for some reason, as, as his manifest presence comes, I hear him. And when I hear him, I just write down what I believe he's saying. It might be bits and pieces, but I know it's him. And I just want to encourage you that ask God for a reviving work of the Holy Spirit to worship him, to honor him, to proclaim thanksgiving to God. When you do that, I, I, he releases his voice in clarity. It's like HD clarity all of a sudden. One of the ways is we pursue God's voice through worship, but finally we pursue God's voice through daily asking. I ask God to speak to me all the time. When I go into a meeting, when we face difficulty, when I need to plan for things, I invite the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. Lord, what are you saying? Lord, what are you doing? I wanna say it to you like this. We're not trying to figure out what God is, wants to do. God is already working. What we're doing is we're asking God to show us what he is doing so we can join him. 
in our lives right now, God is at work. He's already speaking. He's already moving. He's already doing something. And we're, we're, he isn't caught by surprise on anything. He's omniscient. He knows the past, the present, and the future. He knows exactly what he's up to. He knows the plans that he has for us, for our nation, for our world. Lord, what are you doing and how can I join you? When you meet with somebody, Lord, what are you doing in their life and how can I join you? And not say something that's not in alignment with what you're doing. And we could so easily do that by the flesh. I wanna encourage you to daily ask the Lord to speak to your heart about the various circumstances of life, whether they be bad or good, easy or hard. We wanna develop a habit where this is the way that we live. Our life needs to be marked with a pursuit of God's voice among all the other voices. And this is a scripture that I think speaks to that. In Luke chapter 11, verse nine, Jesus said, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Will he, not give, it, will he give him a snake instead of a fish? He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, will he give him a scorpion, will he? No. If you then being evil, we have that evil tendency in us, and that, that's really about selfishness. If you being selfish and evil and self-seeking and self-first, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, you, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? Let, let me say it to you like this. What if, <laughs> what if people that hear the voice of the Lord more than others are just people who ask more often? What if that's all that it is? In James, the book of James, he says to us, you have not because you ask not. Those that need wisdom, those that lack wisdom, ask God for wisdom and he gives to you without partiality. What is wisdom? Wisdom is to hear the voice of God. It's to get his, his input. It's to get his advice. It's to get his counsel. It's to get his truth as we live life. Lord, give us wisdom. That's asking for his voice in our life. We just need to daily ask and it becomes habitual. And so, Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. As I prayed before the service, I wanted to share with you some prophetic words and words of knowledge that I receive. And I want to also let you know that as I share these, I get a lot of emails with responses to these. So it's not like I'm just saying them and, and nobody ever responds. If I were to keep track, I, I, I probably would be able to say for this word, there was this response. In, in the, as far as I know, everything gets responded to. And you can respond by, by saying something online. You could say, hey, that's me, and the community right there will pray for you on live stream or on Facebook. You can also send me an email, ben at nwcfoursquare.org, and I'll pray with you. If I haven't gotten to you yet, trust me, I will. But I just love how even though we meet this way, the Holy Spirit is involved in interacting with us. He's omnipresent. I love this. He's present with you right where you are, and he's present with me right here in our auditorium, in our sanctuary. And I'm thankful for that. And so his words, they don't, they're not restricted whatsoever. And here's what I believe the Lord was showing me uh, during, for this service specifically during um, worship. The first was, I saw a picture of somebody's knees and uh, they had a little bit of swelling and there was pain walking and especially going upstairs. You have pain in your knees. I felt like the right one was a little bit worse even. Um, and that was the, sort of the focus of the picture that I saw. 
And so right now, if that's you, you could just lay your hand on your knee. We just pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would be healed. The Bible says he sent forth his word and healed them. We pray right now that you would experience the healing touch of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Father, we thank you for your healing power. I also saw somebody with headaches, and it seemed to me that it was stress-induced and that God wants to bring about peace. In fact, you, you get headaches in, at times where you, it almost like intensifies when you, when, you seek the, when you try to seek the Lord. Maybe go to church, maybe listen online, maybe listen to a sermon, or even get worship music on. You feel like it intensifies sometimes, even when you're trying to take a step towards the Lord. And so right now, we just pray for peace and for healing. We speak to that headache and we say, be healed in Jesus' mighty name. We take authority over that headache and the stress. We ask right now for peace and that you would silence the turmoil and the churning, Lord, right now. Thank you, God, for our church. We just pray that we would experience across our body healing of headaches, that you would just remove those. And if there's a restlessness, too, that's causing you not to be able to sleep, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would release that sweet sleep, that they would be able to rest in the night. Come and minister to our bodies, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. There was a word that was sent to me, and I, I affirm it, and I want to share with you just part of it, that families shall be re reunited during this season, that what looks like a, just a difficulty, actually God's going to turn it around, right? What the enemy meant, meant for evil, God will turn for good. Families shall be re reunited. God will breathe upon our efforts to reconcile. And I saw someone that's going to be listening to me in this service. I saw that you had a level of tension with uh, people in your family. And specifically, it was with parents and with a mom in specific. And maybe it's an underlying issue that you didn't realize was there. But I want you to pray about whether or not there really is an unreconciled issue that you're facing with your family. And I want to say this, the prophecy is this, God is going to breathe on our efforts to bring about reconciliation. If you, if you feel you're, like you're not in the right spot with some family members, God's going to use this season to bring about reconciliation because that's his heart. His heart is to flow forgiveness through us because of what he's done for us. And we realize that, that what Jesus has done for us we actually can give that away to other people. And that brings about reconciled relationship. And the final thing that I was in my heart prophetically was that this is a season of revival. Right now, there are some, and you need God to revive your heart. It's like a defibrillator, you know, you're just not awake. And, and there's just something, you want to break through the apathy, you want to break through the passivity, you really do. It, there's a desire for you to do that, but you're not walking in it and you can't make it happen. Your efforts have not worked. You've tried. And I, I sympathize with that. I understand. And I see that you've tried to take those steps, but they just haven't, they haven't stuck. I want to say to you right now, surrender to the Lord right where you are in your heart. Speak to him and speak to him alone. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I just lay my heart before you. And I ask you to lead me. And I'm sorry where I've sinned and I'm sorry where I've given up. I'm sorry where I've failed. But I know that you're greater than my failure. You're greater than my sin. That's why you came. That's why you died. That's why you rose again. So that you could call me out of a survival mentality. That I could thrive in relationship with you. 
Say those things to the Lord. Share with him your heart. Ask him to break apathy. We declare war on passivity right now as a body. This is not the time for that. This is a time, as Romans chapter 6 says, that we are alive to God in Christ. That's for you and that's for me. Do not stand on the fence. That was the word that I had. It's time to get off the fence and get on the right side of what God is doing in your life. Amen? Let me go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you right now for every word that you're giving and every word that you're giving to your body that's scattered. I thank you for Northwest Church. You are at work. You are moving and you are doing something inside of each one of us. And we pray, God, that you would breathe upon our efforts as we come close to you in this season, as we draw near together in the only way that we can. We ask that you would breathe upon your church and bring revival in a mighty way. We thank you for a reviving work of the Holy Spirit in every heart and in every home. We pray that there would be a fire in our fireplace where we live. Lord, you, would you bring your heavenly flame upon each person in Jesus' mighty name. As you go, be strengthened by God's word, be filled with God's spirit, be mindful and come on, pursuing of God's voice, be focused on his mission as we bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. And while you're there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.